God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Was there ever a decision in your life that you were nervous to make? It might have been a big one, right? Who am I going to marry? Where am I going to go to school? What am I doing next with my life? Sometimes it's smaller ones. Do I really need to go to the doctor for this? Hold on to those feelings for just a couple minutes tonight. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Now what had happened in Abram's life that we begin the start of the journey with, Now the Lord said to Abram, Why don't we get one of those, And God came down and met Abram. Before this moment, the previous chapter began with the Tower of Babel, right? They built a tower to the heavens, and suddenly they can't speak straight because God thought they were proud. And then it moves into a large genealogy. I know that Andrea is thankful we didn't have to read that tonight. But then after that, we start with Abraham's father, Terah. And Terah has three sons. Haran, one of his sons, dies. We get the verse, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot's son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldees to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Now Abram's father had started on the journey towards Canaan. Why? We honestly don't know. If you go looking about online, you'll see all kinds of speculation. Some people wonder if he was trying to leave the memories he had of his son in Ur behind. He decided, I just need to get out of here. I can't take living in this place anymore. Some wonder if Abram was already feeling drawn to Canaan for some reason. And Terah decided that the best way for the family to be together was to go with his oldest son and his family. And others wonder if God was trying to talk to Terah, but Terah just didn't understand what God was trying to say. Now, why would that have been? The book of Joshua said that Terah didn't follow God. But whatever's happening, Terah gets them halfway from Ur to Canaan, and the family stops and settles for years. But then God calls Abram to move. And when he tells him to move, he gives him a promise. He says, I'll make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and to you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now Abram, the childless one, is promised by God he'll become a great family, a great nation, and be blessed. But it's not going to happen right away. And God says, you won't just be blessed individually. God's going to take it personally how other people treat you. Bless those who bless you. Curse those who curse you. That's a powerful promise from God. And it goes just beyond that. God said that his family would be a blessing to the whole world. All of this to an older gentleman with no children. How did that seem to him? How nervous was he to take that first step away from his father and his mother and his bigger family? But it says this. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. 
Abram steps out in faith and follows God's plan. But it would not be a fast journey. The next verse talks about traveling by stages to fulfill what God told him to do. God first told him to go around the promised land and camp out. And pretty soon Abram stops and builds an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. He stepped out in faith and put his trust in God, the one he was just getting to know. Writing centuries later, Paul says this, For the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If it's the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise void. Now Paul wrote to the Romans a beautiful letter about God's love and how the church should put aside their real differences and come together to worship and serve the Lord. But with Romans, we often get stuck in those first three chapters, the description of sin and the brokenness of the world. We get there, and too often we get depressed, and we just stop. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we never go past that. The church in Rome was divided, divided with people with proud heritages. And Paul says, listen, I want you to understand that no matter who your forefathers were, no matter where you've worshipped in the past, every single one of us has been affected by the brokenness. And each one of our neighbors in the church has been affected by the brokenness of the world as well. And then Paul says to listen, our righteousness and God's love for us is not rooted in the law of Moses. Now how can Paul say that? He says it because long before that, when Abraham stepped out in faith, that happened centuries before one of his descendants, Moses, was born. Centuries before the law, he became righteous. And then Paul reminds us of God's promise. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God whom he believed, he gave life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. The God who made the promise to Abraham, that seemingly impossible promise to give him children. He was faithful. We've heard over the last few weeks the Psalms and even our Old Testament lesson talk to us about creation. That same God who called everything from nothing. The triune God who created the heavens and the earth is faithful. The same God who brought Jesus back from the dead. That same God faithful and called Abraham to be a blessing to the world. And Paul says, therefore, faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now the words reckoned to him was written not for his sake alone, but also for ours, because it will be reckoned to us who believe in him, who raised Jesus from the dead, who was handed over to death for our trespasses and raised for our justification. And Paul pulls all of it together by simply saying, that reckoning was not limited to Abraham's time. God reckons to each and every one of us who believes. He did it for Abraham then. He still does it for us today. Our psalm says, Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous. It is good for the just to sing praises. What should we do in response to God's love for us? We should rejoice. God's love for us is strong and faithful. The same God who loves us loved Abraham. And his works are sure. Heaven and the earth, Abraham's family being a blessing to the whole world, Jesus is raising from the dead, all of those show God's faithfulness. So we sing and rejoice 
Happy is the nation whose God is the Lord. Happy the people he has chosen to be his own. We should find happiness in our calling by the Lord. In our gospel we read, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. Now Matthew is sometimes in the gospel called Levi. He's a tax collector. And people back then think about tax collectors the same way we think about the tax person today. They were not humanity's favorite people. He was on the lower end of respectability in society. And when Jesus calls him, he leaves his job behind and follows Jesus. And he invites Jesus to dinner at his house. And when he does, he invites his friends. And who are his friends? Other tax collectors and sinners. And they all sit down to eat. And when the Pharisees say this, they want to know, why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and sinners? The underlying question really being, why isn't he eating with us, the good guys? Why? Because God's love extends to all of us. Whether others think we're worthy of God's love or not. Whether our parents were Christians or not. Even whether or not we collect taxes. It doesn't matter. Matthew, like Abraham, stepped out in faith to follow wherever he was led. And while they were still having that discussion, a leader of the synagogue came and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has died, but come and lay your hands on her, and she will live. Matthew had just stepped out in faith and followed Jesus, and rejoiced and celebrated with his friends, just like the psalmist had told them. But now someone else steps out in faith. The father's coming in the middle of this discussion. He interrupts it with a very real need, his daughter. And this is such a powerful story. We get it in three out of the four Gospels. Jesus comes with them. And as they're hurrying to where she is, someone else steps out in faith. Suddenly, a woman who'd been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. Back then, the very bottom would have the fringe kind of like this down there. When the synagogue leader needed Jesus, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and asked. The woman didn't think herself worthy enough to even bother the master. If I can just touch the fringe of his garment, everything will be taken care of. And she reaches out in faith, and God took care of her. But Jesus stops. He doesn't keep going on. And he tells her that her faith has made her well, and that she's worthy of God's love. And then he continues on. When they reach the man's house, the morning is in full swing. There's flutists. There's wailing. And he tells all of them to go away. The girl is, but, is not dead but sleeping. And what did the crowd do? They laughed at him. And when the crowd had been put outside, he went in, took her up by the hand, and she was made whole. And then the whole region heard about it. In the end, Jesus did what he said he would do. He prayed the world was revived and people heard about and experienced God's love. Sometimes God calls us to step out in faith. Sometimes it's in the small things, trusting him to take care of us in difficult situations, to follow his leading in helping someone or inviting someone to church. Sometimes, like we talked about earlier, the questions are much, much bigger. God 
Who do I marry? What job do I take? Where do I move next? But we can be assured that every situation, the God that created the heavens and the earth, the God that called Abraham, that called Matthew, the God that healed the woman, raised the girl, and raised Jesus from the dead, that same God loves us. And be assured that when he speaks to us, when we step out in faith, he'll take care of us.